the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. What causes a person to cheat? And then we're joined by Dr. Elizabeth Stevens to talk about her new book, Unshackled. We're joined by Emerson Collins from Focus on the Family to talk about Bring Your Bible to School Day. You're listening to The Common Good. Happy Wednesday, friends. Welcome to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm. Really glad to have you with us on a beautiful fall day. Uh, it's good to be back together, Aubrey. I enjoyed, I listened in the car to you, oh, you and Catherine a little bit over the past couple days. So I'm grateful for Catherine McNeil sitting yeah. in for me the last two days. But sometimes I worry you guys do too good of a job. Do you know, like, there's an mm-hmm. old saying. Are yes. you are you, uh, are you familiar with the saying being Wally Pipped? Have you ever heard that saying? No, but I love it and would like to use it. So Wally Pipp, all right, this is not where I started, thought I'd start today. Wally Pipp was the first baseman in the 19-teens. Okay. Of, or maybe the early 1920s of the New York Yankees. Uh, Wally Pipp missed one day as the first baseman. He was injured. He was sick. He was something. Future Hall of Famer Lou Gehrig filled in for him and then <gasps> proceeded to not miss a game for 2,600 straight games. No. So, so it is – It's there's literally a phrase. You're being me, Wally Pipped. Wally Pipped. It, it's, it's like is you miss – Is it two miss- or one? I believe it's two. Uh, So you miss one thing and somebody steps in and takes over and you never get to do it again. So that's wow. uh, I I was uh, use that in everyday language being Wally pipped, but I was afraid of that. So I'm good to be back. You should be afraid because Catherine's really good. She's getting better and better. I was enjoying listening to you guys. So yeah, we said good things about you, by the way, while you were appreciative. (laughs) You said I really like when he's not here. <laughs> wow, he's easy to replace. Yep, there you go. This is simple. No, so grateful no, Brian, for Catherine. You're, you're irreplaceable, but I do like Come learning on. about Wally Pipped. That's a as good, a words you. of affirmation person, I do appreciate. It. All right, Aubrey, I want to share a story from this past weekend that made me laugh. It made me laugh to the point that I shared it in my sermon. You ever have a story where you're like, "That's too good. I'm going to shoehorn this into my sermon oh, that I'm uh, doing like, tomorrow." That's like my so, whole life is like, "Ooh, that's a good sermon story." <laughs> So there are multiple cheating scandals going on right now in um, kind of obscure sports. There is – I'll encourage people to Google this one because uh, there's some strange parts to it. There's one in the professional chess world right now, like the world championships, that people are pretty convinced that the guy who was winning or whatever cheated. How do you cheat at chess? I can't tell you that because it might get us off of these airwaves, but I would encourage people to Google the theory at the moment. Wow. Okay. Second, there is a pair a a possibly a cheating scandal in the world of competitive poker right now going on. But here's the one I want to talk about, Aubrey. There was a massive cheating scandal in the world of competitive fishing. So what they think happened. Exactly. 
Uh, and now it's gone viral. I would encourage you to Google this because it's gone viral on TikTok and okay. th- through that Twitter and other things about the moment these guys got caught. But there are these two world champion, world class um, fishermen who were at a tournament in, uh, I believe it was outside of Cleveland. And here's the deal. They're winning hundreds of thousands of dollars for this. Uh, this is from. Aubrey, you've got to hear this tournament director of the fishing tournament. Uh, his name is Jack Fisher. Of course, uh, it is Jack Fisher. Yep. He declared that these two guys cheated. You want to know how they think they cheated? How they yes. found it? Yes. So it was a walleye tournament. It was okay. a walleye tournament, and these two guys who have won many, and now people are wondering, did they cheat all along? <gasps> now, did you say where this took place? I'm just curious because there's a lot. I, there's a lot of these fishing tournaments in, in Oklahoma. Outside of Cleveland, oh, Ohio. Okay. okay. Jacob Runyon and Chase Kaminsky, the two fishermen, would have walked away with a prize of about $30,000. Instead, they were disqualified. Here's what they did they caught the walleye and they stuffed weighted lead balls into them. They took weights and stuffed them down the fish no, they of didn't. the walleye. No, they did. Somehow, one of the tournament people were like, this is fishy. But it been uh, figured that these fish weighed <laughs> a little bit too much because the difference from first place to second place was, was greater <gasps> than the difference from second place to tenth place. Oh, like usually no way. These fish are close. And so somebody cut open the fish and out starts coming lead balls. Stop. Stop. It was also found that they were putting fillets of other walleye into them to make them heavier. Like these guys went and they got caught. And the other fishermen are going nuts, and these two yeah, guys, they are. these two guys are just standing there, staring like, like what do you move. do? Like you are people like are hot. Like, you are busted. people are like, call the cops, call this. They need to pay it back. All this stuff, and so wow. uh, it's a major fishing scandal. But Aubrey got me thinking: competitive fishing, competitive <laughs> poker, competitive chess, and yes. then much bigger places. Right, right. The Olympics comes around and somebody cheats, or right. baseball, or stock market or whatever mm. else it might be yeah aubrey let me ask you the uh the existential large question here because then I'll, I'll i'll give you my thoughts why do people cheat why do we cheat i'm not talking about on your spouse or this that but in order to get a leg up what is it about human nature that causes people in your opinion to even go down these routes i mean i feel like most things come down to identity Mm. Or or perhaps or money. So I would say money yes. would be a major motivational factor, but I still think that's an identity thing, right? Because you don't, you feel like you don't have enough, you can't provide, you're overwhelmed. But ultimately, I, I think some of it, like Lance Armstrong comes to mind, right? And right. you feel like that purely was identity, wanting to achieve, wanting to be the best, wanting to... uh put yourself on some type of pedestal motivated by I'm not enough. I need to get there no matter what I, I, you know, I I can sell my own integrity in order to achieve the identity I think I should have. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. And so I, I, that's why that's actually, I mean, I, I know you weren't necessarily going here, but that's actually why I think the gospel of Jesus is so powerful because it really does speak so uh, freely, healingly around and about our identity, like invited yep. to put our identity in something other than the way our souls really imprison ourselves, right? And yeah. cause us to chase after these things in such horrific ways. 
that instead we're invited to put our identity in Jesus. And what we find is like our true self and freedom there. That's great. Uh, you and I have been doing a show for a long time together. I'm I'm a little embarrassed that you said this is not where I want to go with this. This is exactly where I want to oh, go with okay. this. Okay, so maybe I knew, maybe that my instinct was should have been. I know where you're going with this, Brian. <laughs> here's here's what I think. I think you nailed it. Here's what I think. We cheat. People cheat like this for money for fame because we're inherently selfish people yeah because we're inherently self-centered people at our mm. core we're inherently fallen in this way this is sin this is mm. the sin of humanity mm. which let me take it back to the gospel this is why it is so mind-blowing when jesus says put others before yourself yeah uh, when jesus says uh the last shall be first and the first shall be last this is why in his day people were like whatever that doesn't make any sense at aubrey this is why the gospel is so backwards to us, even those mm -hmm. of us who know it, yeah. because our inclination is I'm going to do whatever necessary to advance myself above other people, whether it's stuff lead balls in a fish or cheat <laughs> on your taxes or cheat right, wherever else. Right, right. When Jesus says, do everything you can to push other people first, mm. I think this is why the gospel is so backwards to us. Yeah, that that's that's so interesting because it it's backwards, it's counterintuitive. It I hadn't thought about it in like I think I thought about it in terms of like shame. We want to be more than we are, but that is a result of sin, right? That's so right. I think you're exactly right. That's sort of the brokenness of humanity is that at any cost we put ourselves and the way we're perceived in front of other people first. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I also, I mean, I don't want to undermine the motivator of money. Cause I think like we have seen the power that money has over us and the cautionary tale when you will do whatever it takes to earn, you know, like yes. I think we all sort of know those stories and how terrible they turn out, but that idol of money is sure is a strong one. So I think that the both lures, the lure of, Oh, that was a fishing joke. I didn't even mean to make it. <laughs> the lore of money and the power that we think that that brings, and then the lore of like fame, accolade, achievement, et cetera, all of that is connected to That's our right. sin and why we need Jesus. Wow. That's right. So I'd encourage people to go Google these stories because they are hilarious. They are fascinating. There's video to the fishing one that you will not regret spending some Woo! time watching. Imagine. One of the things that we are really passionate about here at The Common Good is emotional health and um, health specifically after trauma and suffering. And because of that, we have brought on Dr. Elizabeth Stevens. She's the author of a new book called Unshackled, where she's a she's really diving into her own story of surviving trauma and experiencing healing in the midst of all of that. Uh, Dr. Elizabeth Stevens, we are so glad to have you with us today. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me on. Um, so, uh, thanks for letting us call you Ellie. We appreciate that. And, uh, Ellie, can you tell us a little bit, so much of this book Unshackled, I know is based in your own story. Can you tell us a little bit about your story and how it led you to write the book? So I, I grew up, um, I, I believed in Jesus from the moment, probably around four years old when I, I placed my faith in him as a free gift. And, um, however, most of my life was spent performing, and instead of truly receiving his unconditional love and living that out, I was actually trying to prove my worth. So I went to medical school, joined the Air Force, was an officer, went to was doing a child and adolescent psychiatry fellowship. So everything was based on performance, serving God and helping others. But deep down inside, I was just broken and hurting. 
Mm. And I sustained a traumatic brain injury while I was trying to do another achievement, trying to climb all the 14,000 foot peaks in Colorado. Wow. And, um, and I, I had this freak accident and, uh, basically, um, I had a near death experience. Mm. And then after that, I was raped within Mm. about a month of that. So I, I hadn't healed from that first trauma sustain another trauma. And so it was just trauma after trauma over the next two and a half to three years that I, it was just would heal a little bit and then would regress, heal a little bit, regress with another impact of trauma. Yeah. Mm. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. that. That's that's hard. Um, What, what have you learned about God through this journey, the highs and the lows? Tell us about how your, how your faith has either (laughs) waned or excelled in the midst of all of this. So I've always had a strong faith, um, always believed in God, always followed Jesus, but the relationship aspect was really struggling and I didn't realize that. I was Mm. keeping God at an arm's length because I was trying to prove my worth. And Mm. so my faith went from a faith that I didn't have that depth of knowledge and intimacy with him because I was, I was blocking him and, and certain parts of my heart wasn't willing mm. to see the own dark, my own darkness within me because I didn't, I didn't trust that God's love was powerful enough to overcome that darkness. And so mm. it was a journey of um, really not having self-awareness of my own mm. heart and that being broke open with the trauma. Mm. And then I had to make a choice, choose to let God in or choose mm. to, reinforce those walls. And there were times where I chose to reinforce the walls. Um, But eventually I I held on to God through it all, through the darkness, through the depression, through the anxiety, through the suicidal thoughts. And Mm. I I never let go. Mm. And I was eventually able to let him in. Mm. And, um, Ellie, this is a, maybe a hard question to answer, but you know, you, I love how you talk about letting God into those, you know, really like wounded, hurting places. What did that look like practically for you, even as you were wrestling with how to do it? Like, you know, kind of walk us through what a moment where you're choosing God looked like instead of closing off. So what it looked like for me was sitting with God and horrible and hard emotions. Mm-hmm. So instead of looking for distractions, looking for a lot of people go to alcohol or food or hobbies or activities or work to distract themselves. And that's what I used to do my whole life. But when I had the brain injury, I every time I would try to read or look at electronics or or do something like that, I would get an intense migraine. And so I was almost forced mm-hmm. to to not go to distractions. And mm. and it was in the midst of that where sitting sitting alone with God and really feeling the intense sadness or intense anger or intense fear and praying and asking him to help show me and guide me through those emotions where they're coming from. Wow. Mm. And it was, I I tend to stuff things. I've stuffed things my whole life. And so he Mm. started bringing things to the surface that I didn't realize I was really dealing with or was, was a real problem for me. And so when I sat with it, the Holy spirit would illuminate what those Mm. issues were and I was able to release those to God. Wow. Mm. Beautiful. So, Ellie, I'm thinking of somebody in their car right now or listening who is in the midst of just 
what you're talking about, right? They feel like they're drowning in the midst of trauma that is undealt with. What would step one be? If you were helping somebody understand what to do, what, what's that first step you'd encourage somebody to take? The first step I would say is, is trying to be honest with themselves and with God and just asking God, like, I, I'm really struggling right now. What, what is the first step for me and asking God for that first step? If there is someone that they trust that they can talk to or, or at least tell them I'm, I'm struggling with this certain thing, um, getting help from a loved one or the professional person is a little bit more of a step for a lot of people yeah. because of the trust piece. And so I would say first is going to God and asking, asking for help, asking for guidance, asking for people to come into their lives to help give them that those next steps to heal. Um, and then and also just being open to um, to God's love and to know that God's love is actually more powerful than any trauma or any sin or any darkness that we've ever faced hmm. and really asking God for the faith to trust him in that. Hmm. Um, Ellie, part of your story is that you're a retired United States Air Force major. And I, I'm wondering, you know, with your time in the Air Force and now working with veterans and even first responders, um, I'm imagining there's a lot of trauma there that probably doesn't get even addressed. Mm-hmm. And so I don't really even know the question I'm asking, but can you speak to that at all? Yeah, so that's why I developed the the nonprofit Advancing Warriors International was to specifically help veterans and first responders uh, find healing. And and a lot of them don't realize they need healing. They see darkness day in, day out. They've been in combat situations. They've been in firefights. They've been they've seen extreme evil in this world that Mm. most people don't see on a daily basis. And so really being able to create groups, uh, create groups of other first responders and veterans where you have that trust, you have confidentiality, you have a safe space where they can wrestle with things. They can wrestle yeah. with things that they've seen if, if they want to or if not, but they can also wrestle with misconceptions about who they are or who God is. And they yep. can talk about spiritual things together. And so having that forum it's it's difficult for someone to go to a therapist or a psychiatrist who they don't know who they don't know. Well, do they understand what I would, I've had on the job, issues that I've had in combat? But the other people who've been there, done that, can understand that. And yeah, so yeah. really being able to have that forum and have that safe space to talk through things brings amazing healing to people. Oh, thank you for that. Ellie, uh, before we let you go, and the book looks phenomenal. Again, it's called Unshackled. Where can people connect with you? Where can they get the book? But if they want to follow you, social media, wherever else it is, where can people connect with you? So they can go to my website. It's drelizabethstevens.com. Our nonprofit is advancingwarriors.org. And you can get the book at any of the retail stores, Barnes & Noble. You can get it at at Amazon, Target, um, places that any place that pretty much sells books that you can, you can be able to pick those up. And um, Facebook is Elizabeth Stevens. Um, so any of those places. 
great. Fantastic. Dr. Elizabeth Stevens is the author of a new book, Unshackled, that we've been talking about really addressing healing from trauma. She's sharing her own story and just a powerful message for all of us. Ellie, thanks so much for being here with us today. Thank you so much for having me on. All right, Aubrey, there is a new Netflix miniseries about a Jeffrey Dahmer that is out right now. Uh, And I, I want to ask you a question that somebody, or not even a question, this person raised this on Twitter uh, it was a very categorical statement about how Christians should deal with stuff like this. And here's the question. I'm going to read to you the tweet because we okay. know Jeffrey Dahmer. There was not a worse, more heinous crimes done I than mean, Jeffrey Dahmer. Pretty right? horrific. I, the closest thing would be John Wayne Gacy. It, it was pretty horrific. Horrific, 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 evil, disgusting, gross. Yes. And so Netflix, Hulu, and others have learned, I think, an interesting lesson that documentaries, docu-series, mini-series about <laughs> really dark things. Yeah, get a lot of attention. All right. So th- with that said, here's what I would like to ask you. This was from a tweet uh, from a guy who is a pastor and an elder, uh, he hosts a podcast. Um, and I want to know if you agree. He's got a lot of followers, right? Almost 6,000 followers. Uh, I want to know if you agree. So let me just okay. read to you his tweet thread. And I want to wrestle with what Christians should watch, not watch, what's permissible, all this stuff. He writes okay. this. Netflix Dahmer miniseries smashed week one records for most hours viewed. The TV show held nothing back as it depicted a serial killer uh, known for molesting and then eating his victims. And then he writes this. Some reminders, Christians, what is permissible is not always beneficial. Congregations filled with anxiety, depression, struggle, and mental health awareness must realize that what we take in has a greater effect on our psyche than we will ever fully comprehend. Tread carefully and don't be afraid of missing out. I cannot think of a greater threat to our spiritual health, he writes parenthetically, in the U.S., than our belief that we are not susceptible to the things that we see or hear in our pursuit to be entertained at all cost. The aim is, quote, closeness with Christ Jesus and sanctification by his spirit. Our pursuit of holiness may mean uh, our know-how at the water cooler is diminished. He is worth it. Hmm. So this guy's taking the stand that that Christians are treading into areas right now Hmm. that are bad for our souls in the name of entertainment and also in the name of... Hey, it's not it's entertainment. Yeah. Lots of other people are watching these things. I know you and your husband watch lots of things on Netflix and yeah. I tend to I'm not going to get on a high horse here and be like, I don't watch these things yeah. for spiritual reasons. I don't watch these things because I tend to be watching baseball or I tend to be right, watching Right, right, right. Chances are if I was if there was no game on and I happened to be on Netflix and nobody was home, I'd probably watch stuff like this. So yeah. I'm not g- getting on my high horse. Like yeah. I would never watch Dahmer. What do you think? Is he going too far here? Like, all right, Mr. Fundamentalist, or is he right? Like, you know what? This is putting things into our heads that are probably leading us in directions away from Jesus. And just because it's permissible, it's not beneficial. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, this is a great 
I think it's a great question. I remember when, uh, I think it was John Piper said Christians should not watch Game of Thrones and everybody lost their minds. Like this is sort of the same, kind of the same family of, of tweet. So I'll just be honest. We, Kevin and I sat down to watch it. And after the first episode, I actually paused it in the middle of the first episode. And I said, I can't watch this. Really? Not because I was like, Oh, I've never seen anything like this on television. My, my, poor innocent brain is so offended. It was just more like, this isn't good for my soul. It's so dark. Uh, it is so evil. Like I just, I don't need to watch it. And I track, I, Kevin was into it. So I was like, okay, I'll keep trying. <laughs> and then after the first episode, I was like, babe, I love you. I can't watch this with you anymore. But he kept watching it. And he found it so fascinating because, and I'm not trying to defend the show. I'm just I trying totally to give you some it. context. Yeah. Um, so I quit watching it. But he liked the show because really the show explored how Dahmer got away with what he got away with for as long as he did. And a lot of it was, and this is right up Kevin's alley, Dahmer exploiting the black community, like Mm. intentionally who his victims were, intentionally the people that like called him out and called the police on him weren't respected or, or heard of by the police. They had actual like uh footage of police phone calls where like the specific black woman that was a neighbor of Dahmer's was ignored, 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 and not taking seriously. But she kept saying like, something's not right over there. Mm. And so for Kevin, that was kind of the fascinating angle to it. Um, so I could see, I mean, I, I feel like th- somebody like a Karen Swallow Pryor or a David French probably has a more thoughtful take on this, but I can see how anything you watch, anything you consume discernment is necessary and community discernment is necessary and Holy spirit discernment is necessary. I tend to not be a one size fits all type of person when it comes to this. Like I tend to think, and, and maybe this is not sensitive enough to the spirit, but I tend to think some people can handle some things that other people can't. Some people can handle, like you might be particularly prone to, um, if you watch a romantic comedy, your heart uh, gets thrown into discontentment about life because you wish you had a relationship like you're seeing on TV. I think that can be just as dangerous to the soul as mm. something like this. So I, I I don't know that it's necessarily like up to each person to decide, but I do think it's up to each person in community with your people before God to decide. Yeah. Um, maybe that's not a great answer, Brian, but that's honestly how I feel about it. What do you think? It's really hard, and like this is like a good jumping off point example. But like when I had COVID back in July, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, I um, just binge watched Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. Right? There's not a lot of redemption in there. Is right. some, but it's right. There's a lot of stuff you're watching. Like what? Is, yeah. You might be out there, and you might be into trashy reality shows, right? Mm-hmm. Like I don't know. Someone I'm on. Someone on this air might watch the Kardashians. I don't know, right? So, who, who would do that? <laughs> who would dare do that? But it did strike me that I've. We do as Christians and as pastors when we talk to our congregations, we want to prioritize our sanctification, right? Yeah. We want to prioritize our holiness and following Jesus. And it also struck me that I've never, from the pulpit talked about anything like this like yeah hey have you thought about what i've talked about porn and other stuff uh-huh. but like we're talking about stuff that you know like he said people around the water cooler are going did you see the Dahmer documentary last night or miniseries or whatever else i think you're right i don't know that there's a one-size-fit-all answer but i also think that he's probably right that we have 
I worry that we have probably gone too far into the, oh, it's permissible. The whole what's permissible, but not, I think he might be right about that. Like we've grown too numb or something. Yeah, there's probably some wisdom there. And I think even like, just to pay attention to our own reactions, when you find yourself going, absolutely not, this guy's a jerk, blah, blah, blah. I, in one sense, that should kind of be a trigger. Like, ooh, is he stepping on an idol? Right. And that's why I'm having the reaction I'm having. You know, right. I mean, it's, some people can be wrong and right and disagree. That's not what I'm saying. But if your reaction is like, how dare he tell me not? Okay, maybe just like check yourself a little bit. Why is your reaction so strong? Yeah, but I think this is something good for us all to think about because mm-hmm. I do too. I think this is the direction entertainment's going, right? Netflix, all of these, they're seeing what sells and what works. And these docuseries are fascinating. And so I think as Christians, we probably need to be having conversations, like you said, in community, in our small groups, from the pulpit, uh, on shows like this, just going, listen, what is good for our soul? Not what is sinful and not sinful, but just what's good for our soul. And what, and I, and I think that's the conversation we need to be having. Yeah. All right, Aubrey. So we just talked about the Dahmer documentary. I guess it's a docuseries. Yeah. It's not a documentary. It's a, it's a show based on his life. Yeah. So what's the difference there? If it's a show based on the life, can they take, can they take liberties? I think they can take creative license and, you know, add characters and, and draw some conclusions that may or may not be true for the sake of the like story arc. Certainly. The mayor, the mayor may not be true is always a weird one to me. Yeah, when they it's do about the, a real, yeah, yeah, they do the, they do that a lot. I've, I, I remember one a, a year ago where people were up in arms about it, and they're like, "It's a docu series," and okay, I guess that's yeah. What it is. I mean, it's a you know fictional based, on, but the interesting thing is because Kevin got really into it, he started, of course, like doing all this research on Jeffrey Dahmer, which is like gross, but um. I think they uh, they definitely had an angle. Like the show had a very specific angle. That's the part that may or may not have been true. But I do think they tried to stick with a lot of details like from childhood and growing up, his parents, that that were true. And even to the point where what we're about to talk about, they showed his conversion to Christ and his baptism. So that's um, what I want to talk about. Yeah. <clears throat> Jeffrey Dahmer, nobody would argue about the fact that his crimes are as heinous as any crime can be from – yeah. The death to the dismember, everything. It's, I I almost said, Google it. Don't Google it. You don't want to know. It's, if you're, if you're going to do a short list of the worst of the worst. Yeah. Jeffrey Dahmer's on that list. And many people, because of that, celebrated when he died. And he died a brutal death in prison. Yep. And many people celebrated. What people out there might not know or know is that Jeffrey Dahmer seems to have legitimately Come to faith in Jesus while in prison. Right. Uh, this is not one of those like, anyway, it seems really legitimate. Books mm-hmm. have been written about it. It's part of this mini series. The people who led him to Christ share the story. Like you said, yeah. he was baptized in prison. He was baptized in prison the same day that John Wayne Gacy was executed, by the way. No yes. way. Yeah. That's wild. That's Isn't wild. That wild? All right. So people listening to this who may not know this, or especially at the time, Aubrey, there was probably people felt one of two things or they felt both of these things at the same time. Uh, praise Jesus that some the worst of the worst can come to Christ. Mm-hmm. But I think more people probably felt the second. Yeah. Well, that's not fair. Right. He right. doesn't deserve to go to heaven. 
Yeah. Like we understand what it means. People like I understand the grace of the gospel of this, but Jeffrey Dahmer ruined countless numbers of people's lives. He was the worst of the worst of the worst. And you're telling me mm-hmm. that I might get to heaven one day and see Jeffrey Dahmer there. <laughs> and he's there. That that feels let me use this phrase, Aubrey, that I know we don't want to tell God what he should or shouldn't do, but that that feels unfair. Yeah, that feels too far, yeah. too graceful. Yeah. Uh, would you respond to that? If somebody watched the Dahmer mm-hmm. docuseries and said that to you, how would mm-hmm. you respond to that? Yeah, I mean, you know, I even watched the Dahmer series and and I'm like, I don't know if that's a true conversion. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That feels like a man knowing he has nowhere else to go. And at though, you know, that's the cynical part of me. Then I'm like, well, then what, what was Paul? Like Paul, a, a famed murderer of Christians. And I'm sure it wasn't sweet. I'm sure it was brutal. Uh, I'm not saying I'm not comparing Paul to Jeffrey Dahmer. So let's be clear about that. And yet none of us would argue that uh, Paul's conversion was sincere. Right. Right. We would all go, wow, he became the most influential uh, gospel contributor we have. Church planter. I mean, that man had his yeah, feet we don't on have the Bible many, without many, him, right? Yep. Yeah, you know, and we don't have church without him. Like, uh, at least church as we know it. So and Bible as we know it, correct. Yeah, so... I, I mean, I think ultimately it is a hard thing to grapple with, especially that kind of late in the game conversion. Mm-hmm. Not that Dahmer knew he was about to be killed, but that um, he, but he was def- facing execution. He, not very. Yeah. Long I mean, then. he was facing like 900 years in prison or something. So obviously there was no hope for him to leave. Right. Right. Um, and yet we all have to grapple with the fact that the gospel really isn't fair. Right. I mean, it's, Philip Yancey, who says God doesn't give wages, he gives gifts. Mm. And, you know, talking about that, that parable of the the workers in the field, right? Those who come later get the same uh, reward as those who've been working. I mean, this really is sort of the question of the Israelites and the Gentiles, the, the prodigal son and the righteous son, like, Ultimately, it's not fair in the way we think of fairness. You know, it's really not. And so in one sense, you kind of go, okay, God, like, I I don't understand your currency. I don't understand your economy. I don't understand why a guy like Jeffrey Dahmer maybe gets to experience life with you in the afterlife simply because he came to you. But then you have, then you look at the, uh, criminal on the cross next to Jesus, who Jesus said today, you'll be in heaven with me. I mean, you know, it it is a hard, hard thing to grapple with, except we just have to go, I don't understand the grace of God. It's God's grace is, and God's salvation are bigger than I can even imagine. I still have questions if it's a legit conversion. Sure, sure, sure. So Kurt Booth, he would, he was one of the people from this church in Oklahoma who played a role in this, the conversion of Jeffrey Dahmer. He says, I know Jeffrey was ready today. All the angels in heaven are rejoicing because Jeffrey came home. I, I think there's a deep down um, sense that we all want fairness. Yeah. And this doesn't seem fair. Right. But what we miss about the grace and you brought up is for any of us to be saved is not fair. Right. And I think that's where this comes from. It is, I was going to ask you, where does this question come from? But I'll just kind of answer it myself. I think people are going, 
but it's not fair. Yeah. But we lose sight in that questioning. We lose sight of our own sinfulness that just because his sins were worse. And I think yeah. we can all actually categorize. I know they were all sins are that. No, no, they're they worse. Were worse. Yeah. It doesn't change the penalty of sinfulness. Yeah. And the grace necessary. But yeah, I mean, speak to this. That's that's really hard to get our minds around and hard to grasp, especially in this case. I I mean, I think it's impossible to get your mind around because even if you can acknowledge, wow, the weight of my the consequences for my sin is death. Therefore, I'm in the same position as Jeffrey Dahmer before the cross. Mm-hmm. You still kind of go, but I'm not Jeff Dahmer. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not like drilling into people's heads and like eating their flesh. And You know, like, I mean, yep. I'm not evil. That's evil. And so I think we, I just don't know, apart from seeing Jesus face to face, that we'll mm-hmm. be able to understand the depth of the grace of God and yeah. how overwhelmingly wonderful and beautiful it is. And I think we'll we'll just wrestle with that. Period. I think that's right. I think that's you know? right. I mean, it's a, it's that age old question: Could Hitler have been converted? Like you know, you just it. These are hard questions to grapple with until we meet Jesus face to face. And in one sense, you go, you know what? I don't know, but praise God that He has saved me. Thank because, you, Jesus, exactly. for your blood. And you exactly, just, you know, you just worship. Yeah, I saw that, and I just wanted people to wrestle with it because I think it's a legitimate question. I, I think do it's too. a legitimate like, really. Jeffrey yeah. Dahmer, right? Really? <laughs> then right. Go wait. No, if if, yep. if if God could save me, then pray yep. you know, all of this. So even Jeffrey Dahmer. Yep. Even Jeffrey Dahmer. So uh, mm-hmm. yeah. All right. That's two straight segments on Jeffrey Dahmer. I'll end the Jeffrey Dahmer talk. There. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll end the Jeffrey Dahmer uh, talk there. Aubrey and I are thrilled to be joined by Emerson Collins. Emerson is the project manager for Bring Your Bible to School Day, uh, a ministry through Focus on the Family, as Bring Your Bible to School Day is quickly approaching. Emerson, how are you doing today? Doing so well, Brian. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Hey, let's talk about Bring Your Bible to School Day. Tell us not just when it is, but what is Bring Your Bible to School Day? Yeah, so Bring Your Bible to School Day this year is on October 6th. So that'll be this Thursday coming up real soon. Um, And it's as simple as exactly the title. Uh, It Mm -hmm. encourages students to bring their Bibles to school and to share the good news of Jesus Christ. It started back in 2014 just as a way to celebrate our religious liberties and, as I said earlier, to share the good news of the gospel. Mm -hmm. I love this. I'm at the website right now and focus on the family. Bring your Bible to school today, school day, and uh, almost 600,000 household participates participated last year. That's incredible to me. 50,000 schools across the U.S. represented. Um, I'm assuming you're you're hoping that number will be bigger than than uh, that this year. Tell us kind of the big goal. Like, why is Focus on the Family saying this is what we want to get behind, empowering students to bring their Bibles to school? Yeah. So not only is it a command in scripture to go and spread the gospel and to make disciples of all nations, but it is also a joy to go and to give the truth of of God's word into a culture that so desperately needs it. Uh, It doesn't take much to look around and just see the brokenness and darkness and lives all around us. And yet when we speak the gospel into those areas, when we bring God's light into the dark culture, we get to see the transformative power of Jesus Christ in other people's lives lives. And so Focus on the Family loves partnering with parents and with students to help 
their kids, help these students live out their faith and follow Jesus Christ. Yeah. Uh, Everson, first of all, let me tell people, Focus on the Family with Jim Daly can be heard every weekday here on AM 1160 at 1130 AM. I'd encourage people to tune in there. So, Emerson, let me ask the, the question this way. Kids bring their Bible to school. Then what? Why are they bringing their Bible to school? What are you hoping to see happen? Yeah. So the first change happens in your own heart that you would grow and treasure God's word and you would read it daily. And that is what we hope for you. But not only that, we hope that this would start a transformation that would happen for the rest of your life to treasure God's word, but also in the hearts of your friends, that they would begin to see Jesus Christ in you and they would be inspired by your boldness. And you can start a Bible study. You can start a club uh, that you can then invite those friends that maybe don't know Jesus to to hopefully interact with for the rest of the year. And Emerson, what about students who are, so, I mean, we've, I've got three sons. They're all in the public schools. I could see how bringing your Bible to school day would really like, uh, make some waves for kids who are in the Christian school, for kids who are in homeschool. Like uh, uh, talk to me about how it works in that scenario. Yeah. That's actually one of the questions we get most often is by homeschoolers. How do I participate? Right. And, uh, yes. Cause I bring my Bible to school every day. Um, and, and that's true. That's great. And we love that. Uh, I encourage homeschoolers or even, even people maybe out of school, if they want to participate, bring your Bible with you wherever you go that day into your community, into, uh, the shopping mall, uh, with you and just openly be a light for Christ in that area. Yeah. So Emerson, again, uh, what are the details? I believe it's tomorrow, right? Bring your Bible to school day. You want kids to bring their Bibles. Um, and then again, what you touched on this before, after giving us the details again, what are you hoping to see happen in the lives of students as they kind of take this step with you guys? Yes. So it is uh, tomorrow, October 6th. And all you have to do is pack your Bible with you. I encourage you to carry it openly um, and to carry your physical Bible too, not just your phone, mm. um, because that tells the people around you, you're carrying this book for a reason and for a purpose. And you're telling people, I am unashamedly a follower of Jesus. So what's happening inside your heart is you're growing in boldness and in faithfulness to Jesus and telling others, I'm a follower of him and you should come with me. Um, and Emerson, I want you to speak to the student who is like, I'm too nervous to bring my Bible to school. Don't make me do that. You know, like, uh, that student who's just like, I don't know, I don't know. I don't, or maybe I'll bring it, but I'm going to keep it in my backpack the whole time. What's a word of encouragement or just kind of pastoral wisdom you'd give to that student? Yeah. So Paul in Romans one says, I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation to all who believe. And that God, that same God that was with Paul when he was unashamed of the gospel is with you, strengthening mm. you every step of the way. He is with you. He is going to provide you the words to speak when you're, when you're not sure what you're going to do. He's going to be there for you. And he has overcome the world and he is with you. Amen. Again, uh, Focus on the Family with Jim Daly can be heard at 1130 a.m. every weekday right here on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Again, that's 1130 a.m. Focus on the Family with Jim Daly. Emerson, I'm curious your own story. Did you do stuff like this? I've shared on this show before. I used to do See You at the Pole, and it terrified me every year that it came around. Uh, But what's your own story? I would love to hear how these types of things impacted you and got you to where you are now. Yeah. So, well, thanks for asking, Brian. Uh, I I came to faith in college, actually. Um, I grew up in Christian circles, but it wasn't until I I, I really 
um, was challenged in my faith in college that I came to faith and true knowledge and understanding of Jesus. And so throughout college, just this passion and fire grew in my heart for the Lord. And I actually started a, a movement up at my college um, called the Open Carry Bible. It was oh, very similar. <laughs> yeah, <and laughs> That's so, awesome. Encouraging the young men in my group uh, to bring their Bibles with them to class everywhere you go. And people would ask, hey, that's a that's a good looking journal you got there. And you can say, actually, <laughs> it's my Bible. Yeah. Um, and so it, through college, the Lord just fosters a fostered a heart of zeal in me. And I want to I want to spread that to everyone uh, listening right now um, that if you just take that step of boldness to show other people you're a follower of Jesus, God is going to honor that and he's going to work through you. Um, and along with this, Emerson, I'm thinking of, you know, a student brings their Bible to school and ideally a student who's not familiar with the Bible says, why are you doing that? Or why are all my Christian friends bringing their Bibles to school today? Does a focus on the family provide any type of resources for students to like kind of equip them with an answer? Hey, here's why we're doing this. We'd love for you to know Jesus. You know, is, is there any I, script seems a little too cheesy, but I just mean like equipping of these students as they go about this. Definitely, Aubrey. So on our website, bringyourbible.org, we have resources for students, for parents, and for church leaders. But if you're a student wondering, where do I go? Go to bringyourbible.org, go to our students tab, and you can find conversation guides uh, for what happens once you get asked that question. What should I be ready to say? Mm, uh, alongside this, we have Live It Challenges, uh, which is a challenge every single month for you to live out your faith. So that October, when it comes around, doesn't catch you off guard. You're already in this practice of talking with other people and sharing your faith. That's great. Oh, that's great. Again, Focus on the Family with Jim Daly is on every weekday at 1130 right here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. And uh, also, bring your Bible to school day. Give uh, everybody the website one more time, Emerson, where they can find out more information. Yeah, it's bringyourbible.org. Bringyourbible.org. Again, Emerson Collins. Uh, he is the project manager for Bring Your Bible to School for Focus on the Family. Emerson, great to meet you. Thanks for spending some time with us. Hope Bring Your Bible to School Day goes great for you guys. Thank you, brother. God bless. It's the end of the show. And at the end of every show, we love to bring you something just to put a smile on your face or maybe encourage or inspire you. And our good friend Tyler Huckabee from Relevant tweeted something the other day, Brian, that I just thought was like simple, but profound and okay. worth us talking about. Here's what Tyler Huckabee said. Jesus's most radical message remains love your enemies. Just an absolutely wild thing to say on every level. If it doesn't flip your universe upside down when you read it, you didn't even try to wrap your head around it. Mm. Um, I, tell me, Tell me your thoughts on that. I think he's he's right. Uh, you know, I'm feeling a little contrarian today in the sense of you like, are. I, you're like fighting things today. I like it. I like this. The, the, of Brian. the one pushback I would make is like we do this on Twitter and stuff. It, to, it's the the most this or the most that <laughs> like Jesus said a lot of crazy things. Right. Uh, he said things about like uh, somebody who's not willing to turn their back on their parents. Right. Or like, <laughs> that's true. Uh, you know, give everything you have to the poor and follow. Like Jesus said a lot of crazy things. So I'm not sure we need to rank them. With that said, <laughs> I get. So, what so you'd be OK if he said like a radical message from yes. Jesus remains. Yes. Love your enemies. Gotcha. OK. But okay. with that said, Tyler's right mm -hmm. that the call to love your enemies is so countercultural. It's so radical to use his word. It's yeah. so, um, 
that that it that it's disorienting. Yeah. Right. And and it's easy. It's it's an easy sermon to preach. But then yep. when you do come against, it reminds me of what we talked about earlier in the show, Aubrey. When we talked about, does it make you mad that Jeffrey Dahmer might be in heaven? Right. <laughs> like that is like a a bad person, and so we don't want them to be shown grace and love. When you personalize that to an enemy in your own life, and Jesus's call call is to love your enemies, pray mm-hmm. for those who persecute you. You're like, no, no, I really don't want to do that. Right. Like, I don't want to do that. I would, in fact, instead, like Jesus for you to smite that person <laughs> or to do whatever <laughs> right. it is that right. you do. So uh, outside of my nitpicking about whether it's the most thing, I do think Tyler's right that it's something we need to wrestle with. Like, what does it actually mm-hmm. look for practically on a day-to-day basis mm-hmm. to be men and women who love our enemies? Yeah, I was thinking about that related to this tweet. Something that Catherine and I talked about when she was here earlier this week was about the life of Brother Andrew who passed away. And he he said something like, in Jesus, there are no enemies. And he was kind of known for having Osama bin Laden on his prayer list, which he got a lot of flack for, but he was like, Hey, this is what it means to love my enemy. I'm going to pray for this guy. And I, so I think it's interesting to think about, I mean, not interesting. It's terrifying to think about enemies like the kind of a quote unquote evil people, the Osama bin Ladens, the Jeffrey Mm -hmm. Dahmers, the, and kind of, almost they can be an ideal and you can go, okay, sure. I can quote unquote love them, but it doesn't actually change anything about my day-to-day life or require anything from me. Maybe praying, maybe a posture or attitude change. But what you're asking, I think is the important question. How do we love our actual enemies? And enemy, Mm -hmm. I think can be a hard word because we don't tend to put people in that category of enemy, but like that family member that you continually have conflict with and just hate being around that person in church that you have a fight with and it's kind of growing and you're talking about them behind your back. Sometimes you can make your spouse, your enemy by villainizing them. You decide something about them as true. Oh, they're just selfish. And then you call up your friends and you say, Oh, my spouse is so selfish. You write in your journal. Oh, my spouse is so selfish. And suddenly like, the person you're covenanted to is your enemy. So I think we almost need to get away from this. Like my enemy is that person living on the other side of the ocean who I have yes. no relationship with. No, no, no. Who are the, who are the people in your life that, and I'm that are like getting on your nerves. That's right. You're constantly right. thinking about them. You're talking about them as much as you can. I would argue that those people are your quote unquote enemies. Yes. And that's, part of who Jesus is telling you to love. And yes. that's so messy. And be- because I, I I know Osama bin Laden's now dead, but go back years yeah. when he was still alive. Yeah. If that's my perception of my enemy that I'm called to love, there's a 99.9999% chance I was never going to meet yeah, that, Osama that bin Laden. that requires Urban. nothing from you. It requires right. nothing except right. for some uh, grandstanding of like, fine, I will pray for him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But when you're talking about the 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 person like you said who really aggravates you the person who's hurt you like mm-hmm. not even just aggravating like the person yeah. who's hurt you uh, the person who um is against you yeah like, actively working against you now we are where the rubber meets the road going okay Whew. now now how do we play this game now how do, how do i take jesus person? words mm-hmm. and actually live this out so again i don't i think it's simple to take yeah. the worst people the caricature and be like 
All right, fine. I love Vladimir right. Putin. Fine. You know, <laughs> right. like it, doesn't do, <laughs> right. it doesn't change anything. It doesn't change anything. But what about the person who's bad-mouthing you? What about yeah. the person who has hurt you? What about for the yeah. pastor, the person who left your church and talked right. badly about you? Right. What about Ooh. the person who may have hurt you years ago? Like, what yeah. do you do with that? Yeah. What and that's where that? this really gets difficult, where you go, I'm not sure I like that called Jesus. I'm not sure uh-uh. that, that I really want to have to consider what do I, how do I love my enemy like my enemy no i I don't really want to do that right and the the hard part too is love is not like this sentimental oh i have to have good feelings about them like jesus is saying you lay down your life that's Mm -hmm. what love is so how do you lay down your life for yeah that family member that's making it crazy or like you said that person who's really hurt you i i think this is one of the hard i think this is where tyler's right that this is one of the hardest, most upside down teachings of Jesus. And I think without the empowering of the Holy Spirit helping you love, we will never be able to do this on our yeah. own. Like, I just don't know that. And, and maybe I think too little of my own humanity, or maybe I think rightly of my own humanity sinfulness. I don't know that I have it in me. Like that, that person who has annoyed me to death and talked bad about me and that I have it in me to lay down my life for them yeah, yeah. apart from Jesus and the Holy Spirit helping me gently or strongly right. do so. You know, this feels you, like a transformational work of God in our lives. I totally agree. I've never really thought of, I'm going to ask you a question I've never really thought of. I don't okay. know that I've ever think about this. Uh, why would Jesus require this of us? Yeah. Why would Jesus ask this? Is it just a test? You know mm. what I mean? Is it just Jesus mm. testing us? Or is there something good for us yeah. as we embrace the way of Jesus here? Yeah. You know, I part of it is like, you know, first John, right? That they'll know, they'll know us by our love. They'll ultimately know Jesus by our love. So I yeah. think that's part of it. It's, it's sort of that call to be holy as God is holy and to be a light in this world. Like part of our loving our enemies is showing bearing witness, showing the world uh, that we are like countercultural, right? Yeah. That, that there's something about the love of Jesus that compels us not just to lay our lives down for our friends, but even our enemies, because that's what Jesus has done for us. So I think part of that is the bearing witness piece of it. What it does for us, Brian, I mean, you know, you, you, you hear people say this, right? That forgiveness is not just about that person you're forgiving, but kind of about the release of the bitterness in your own yes. soul. Yes. And so I do think like Jesus's wisdom speaks to our own identity and our own freedom that when we learn to sincerely love our enemies or release them or whatever, release the power that they have over us, that does set us free to live in a way that is abundant, thriving, more joyful, not bitter, etc. And so I do think it's kind of this both and thing. It benefits us and benefits the way we're portraying Green. Jesus to the world. I think you're right. I think that gets it. I do. It gets back to, as we end this up, that Jesus's ways are also even hard are for our benefit. Yeah. And, for our joy. Wow. and mm. so it does. I would ask people to wrestle with this out there. How does love your enemies lead to your joy? I think mm. we, we have to say that it does. And I think you're getting at it right there. When I hold stuff against my enemies, quote unquote, it really has a detrimental effect on my own soul. And, yeah. and I think Jesus is telling us you got to deal with that too. Yep. Got to deal with that too. All right. Well, that's uh, definitely a word for us to wrestle with on this Wednesday evening. Brian and I will be back again tomorrow from four to 6 PM for Brian from I'm Aubrey Sampson. And you've been listening to the common good on AM 1160 hope for your life.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.